My next guest on today's podcast is Ajay Bulusu, who is a co-founder of this company called NextBillion.ai. The company is in the space of spatial and map technologies and building a very unique uh, and a very promising platform to solve the world of supply chain issues which are there in the industry. It's a space that nobody touches generally. It's because a very difficult space because the talent pool available is very less in the world. Uh, but apart from that, uh, we were solving the problem already in our old life. And uh, we knew the pitfalls of this problem. We didn't know how big the problem is, but we knew there were enough people to use that stuff if we build it. Ajay didn't start his company right out of the gate from a campus, but he has worked in the industry and worked with some of the biggest brands like Google, Grab, American Express and many more. And it's fascinating to hear from him how working for almost a decade, he took a plan to go ahead and start this new company along with his two other co-founders. And throughout the conversation, you would hear without me giving a lot of perspectives, but now how grounded and more focused he is on building a right business for the company which he is working on. It is fascinating to hear that he's so matured and focused on terms of what he's building and what his company is building. Some driver gives you feedback, you can feed it back into your system, it gets updated for the next driver. Okay. That's our promise because after you can't even do that. After you can't go complain to anyone. It'll take you six months for you to even update the smallest of the smallest thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So for us, what the way we look at it is is very simple, right? So the way we look at it is can we have the packaging ecosystem to keep maps fresh as well as use the freshness of the map to drive business value. So without much further ado, let me get on with it. Hi Ajay, welcome to Masters Decoded Podcast Season 3. Really glad to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks Anish. It's my pleasure here. Ajay, uh, you know, you run a very interesting company, nextbillion.ai. But before we get to uh, doing that and you know I've been following you on LinkedIn I you and I are connected on LinkedIn for quite a while now uh, yeah. but let's st- rewind a little bit I know you are in Singapore right now uh, currently mm-hmm. and you're based out of Singapore but let's rewind a little bit you know can you share a little bit about your childhood you know where did you grow up you know what was that phase of your life looks like yeah I mean I I grew up in Hyderabad uh, throughout my, uh, you know, whenever I knew conscious, I was I, I, I was in Hyderabad. So uh, we moved from Bangalore, actually, my parents and me uh, had a very typical Indian middle class childhood, nothing special. Uh, I grew up in a small nuclear family. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur as well. My dad left a very comfortable job in Canada Bank back in the day um, to start his own merchant banking consulting company. Then India was going through the IT boom in the mm-hmm. 90s. Uh, did exceptionally well, actually, in fact, uh, at, at that point. Uh, and then we've seen a lot of ups and downs. So like first Papa did well, then he, he didn't do well. And then he did well, again, didn't do well. So he had two cycles of extremely good, uh, how do I say, extremely good economic uh, stature as well as extremely bad economic stature. So uh, I've been through two of those cycles to so understand a little bit of how it is in the life of when you don't have something stable. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, and then obviously I wasn't a very bright child to say the least. I mean, I, I wasn't like a very uh, intelligent uh, topper sort of a kid. So I always knew there has to be a more uh, something else apart from education for me in uh, in life. So that I always use in childhood since my eighth, ninth grade, because I was coaching for IIT for a long time. Uh, okay. And uh, I saw I saw the people around me and how generally brilliant people were. 
right so i i told my dad in 8th grade itself that i don't think i'll crack iit right so uh, but my dad said everybody everything with hard work will happen except again like we are we are very typical parent child conversation and then yeah the rest is history then it never happened and yeah i, I mean i think like with any other andhra uh, telugu kid uh, that's the quintessential path you follow right you essentially try and crack engineering if it happens happens doesn't happen doesn't happen so this is essentially how it was otherwise a lovely childhood there's nothing uh, i mean nothing to complain but i think for me the entrepreneurial spirit and why i wanted to start up comes from the fact that my dad started up in extremely tough times as well so i i never saw a reason why i shouldn't at some point in my life but i was also not practical about first i need to gain experience i want to do this the right way and, and that's why maybe i'm a older later entrepreneur okay I've looked at your LinkedIn profile. Like you said, you are an older entrepreneur, but you started off with your corporate career. Uh, yes. But before that, you went abroad to studies and all of that. So how did that all happen? You know, you were in Hyderabad. Where did London come into picture, and how did London feature up? So it's the same thing. I mean, like good or bad, I couldn't crack anything in India. So my okay. ranks were terrible. My scores were terrible. In fact, even my even my twelfth score was terrible compared to what people usually get. in like you know hyderabad so uh, i said luckily or unluckily papa was uh, decently well to do so he said okay listen this is not working out right so let's just let's just send you abroad so even he took risks even then uh, so like took a bunch of loan and said let's just go but uh, i have been how do i say i have been lucky throughout right ever since like i turned 18 19 that uh, i didn't have to, i had a support system back home right so mm-hmm. then it so happened that i got into leeds leeds was a very good engineering and electronic school so also they gave me a good scholarship i'm like wow okay fine like you know like it is probably the right time to move on and it was a punt actually uh, i was actually going nowhere that year which because all my ranks were bad and i didn't have a backup i didn't f- do my sres or i you know i didn't do you know the sat sorry and so i had given nothing else except for thinking in india something i will crack right so it so happened that leads came about suddenly and said listen like they did a road show that year in hyderabad and i said okay if they are giving me an admission i, I don't want to waste a year right because already i think i've wasted enough and i told my dad that listen i don't think i will crack it just because another one year i study for something and so it was a very practical decision uh, it was a good school it's a engineering branch i wanted electronics J- just took the plunge and left right so and then the rest is history we came back to india and you started working in indian corporate system so uh, you know i know that getting into a certain space and choosing your first job is always an interesting process so yeah. how did that first job come about was it a campus or was it more which you were applying for a job i i think i have had i have had nothing in life uh, easy is what i think there was no campus at all because i graduated in recession Okay. 2008-9 were my graduation. Like eight was my engineering, nine was masters. So in fact, I did masters because there were no jobs in 2008. Okay. Uh, so and then after that, there were even no more no jobs, right? So I said, okay, then you know what do you do? You take the there was also some personal tragedies at home. So I said, okay, this is a, this is like a good time to come back home and stay with parents. So essentially, I mean, however far I was, I've, I've been extremely homebound. Even today, I go home every month. So I was just like, okay, then this is the right time to go home. So I stay with my mom and dad for a while and figure it out. It's because UK was going nowhere at that point. Even as a country, UK was in banking recession and it was not similar situation right now in like you know like UK. So I think I realized that okay, then there is no campus campus. So I came home uh, and took like three four months just to figure it out. Anyway, there were no jobs and then I could live rent free at home. So. Mm-hmm. just came back home and i stayed uh, and then i said okay i did a masters i did engineering what do i do 
in fact my first job was uh, my like so so my dad was being like a banker throughout so he had a lot of connections in bombay he said why don't you go work for someone and the last thing i wanted to do after educating myself already my my father sponsoring my education and everything was that he gets me a job so i didn't take up any of the jobs though they were way better paid than you know what i actually got the first time so i registered at nokri.com and i got my first job right so essentially i put up my profile there were a bunch of interviews that i got and <laughs> there was this small demand forecasting supply chain company called steelwedge now acquired by jda i think um, they had a small back end office i said listen like i'm going to i'll take this job i'm not going to go to any of the merchant banks that my dad was suggesting or like you know even the big fours that he was trying to get me into i just took a very small job in a very small company right so they were paying me like 14000 a month or something like that and i was i was more than happy because i got it on my own right so yeah. that's how the corporate actually career started uh then obviously it being my hometown i had a lot of friends and obviously google was scaling at that point um uh, and then through my social like i met i met somebody at a bar actually who knew somebody was working at google and uh, they said hey we are we are recruiting a lot and i said sure like why don't we put an application and actually that's how google happened there was just literally a few uh, they were like 60 70 people called on the day to do a test and everything uh, out of which two of us got in Wow. Right, on, uh, But, on know, that day too much of you know you see a lot of people who've got into google talking about how difficult it is to get into google uh, now 2 yeah. or 60 is still a a a, a strict conversion but people yeah, talk yeah. About it's how strict the process was how how difficult the process is right i know you will it's be... not yeah. yeah it's not easy for sure it's not very tough for sure also i mean uh I mean, I, I keep telling my wife. So, so my wife has cracked Google, Facebook in the same lifetime, and that's actually even more tougher, right? Because to crack, uh, actually, Facebook is tougher. Uh, but in in reality, uh, when I joined Google, they were on a hiring spree. That was one. But still, they were very strict, right? They would not hire. They would in fact shelve projects instead of hiring some people. I also got it as a lateral. Lateral is way tougher than campus, because campus they have to hire X number of people on the day, so they do it much, a little quicker. but i came in where they could take all the time in the world i already had a job so i went through almost 6 to 8 rounds at that point nice uh, and it's more co- general cognitive ability than skill actually in google they hire a certain personality type it's not they don't hire for your resume or they don't hire for your uh, you know yes for engineering and you know like for more technical roles yes they hire from the school and the sort of the um, your merit but for non engineering roles there's a very generic hiring process so they hire you based on personality they hire you based on communication your general leadership if you're thrown into a problem how do you innovatively in the interview think about you know coming out of it so they think on how you think on the fly rather than prep and come so this i was anyway always sort of good at i could never prepare even like i know you sent me a bunch of questions i didn't i didn't even i didn't even see any of the questions right so i generally always prefer that uh i am unprepared for something and so google exactly was that i was super unprepared i just went with the flow and it just so happened that eight nine people liked me so it just got through now when i look at your career you've worked in some of the biggest names in the industry whether it is google whether it is amex or whether it is grab uh you yeah. know how much was intentional or how much was when you look back how much was you were just going with the flow because you spoke about this no, no, it was it was all serendipity most of my career moves have been serendipity it was never planned in fact whenever i have planned i have not taken that job in okay. i 
after google when i was in google i had a love hate relationship with facebook thrice once okay. i said no once they said no like you know so whenever i planned to move out it never happened uh, same thing with any of the startups in india i interviewed for flipkart in mobi i never moved out uh, it so happened Why? that google threw me out for 5 years right Why, sir? i i just don't know i i don't know it just didn't happen and in google i was very comfy and i was getting roles within google which was okay. which was pretty good actually so i could crack roles that actually many could not at that point like they, when i when I, I went to maps in google which is very difficult to get into and so internally actually moving in google is way tougher than external so you can't just move inside they have an option to move but it's very difficult you have to go through all the rounds again in google so uh, th- that i switched thrice so i was pretty good at internal mobility than external mobility so i was learning early stages in career i didn't want to switch too much i wanted to gather experience in a, in a, in the company so in google i did everything operation sales partnerships product program wow. so i tried and learn how much ever i could at, and also google at that time was super flexible then they also moved me to california right so uh, i didn't ever optimize for in my early stage for vertical growth i in fact only optimized for horizontal i wanted to learn as much as i could in my f- sort of formative years of career and i just picked that right and i just thought like okay more money more promotions is not right now key for me i want to learn as much as i can so because i knew at the end of a 10 12 year career everyone averages out people who grow very quickly initially will taper off people who grow gradually also will be in the same place right so that's the punt i took okay so what all departments did you traverse within google so i started off no, in maps for sure yeah so i started off in operations in fact adwords where my first job was reviewing pornographic ads uh, that okay. get put on the internet a lot in google uh, so i mean right now they have enough ai to like like filter them out but 2011 it was more assistant intelligence you had a human in the loop to do so i did that for a while then in fact i went into search quality which is essentially a more technical way of same thing but in search search has a lot more gory content that you can imagine that what yeah. ads have uh, so because it's all organic Uh, did that for a while and then i switched in fact to partnerships and sales so i went into something called channel sales where we had a huge channel program generating a couple of billion dollars a year for google uh it did that for a while and then there up every 3 or 4 years somebody used to hire in maps because maps are a huge backend in hyderabad so uh and it's very rarely you you open a role itself in that so when they opened up in fact uh, they were 100 plus people who interviewed uh, for those roles and two of us got in again wow so so that was very very difficult it was actually a four month interview process inside it's not easy to switch switch ladders every okay rather i'll put it that way it was not easy before now with the amount of scale and this thing it's a little i think a little better but when we were there it was a very small company still google so everyone almost knew everybody in hyderabad office and even even globally within some roles there very few people were hired Okay. So when I had the opportunity at very young age, like I was twenty four, twenty five, and I had a team of like what six to eight hundred people in nice. the vendor operations that I was managing. So that exposure was very different for me. And then also I was working with some of the smartest I have ever met in my life, like the some of the smartest people at Google, right? Like because Maps is very technical, and the sort of work we were doing was like world changing. It was not just you're doing something small. like you're trying to just say i'm going to map australia tomorrow and that's like a very very big vision in itself to do right so uh, stuff that i had was exposed to at that point was uh, transformational i would say in my life like where i had never seen anything like that in my life that like even true big tech what is true big tech is what i saw that time so 
that's what I think sort of molded my thought process after moving into the more technical space of maps. So I've done a bunch of roles inside Google before that. So where did the Kida, or the, sorry if I'm using that word, is of starting your own company come about? Like where did it all begin? So that always was there, but I... I, I tried to start up once prior in between my jobs. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I would have gotten funded also for it, but I was alone. So okay. like my present co-founder was still not ready to leave his job. Right. So when I was in Grab, uh, what happened was we joined Grab and within three years, we had escalated the way our career went. Uh, That's also because obviously Grab also escalated the way it was, but the sort of work we were doing was very bleeding edge, cookie cutter, all of these words you can use, right? Where we were creating something that didn't exist, one. And two is that we were trying to take on a very, very big company to say, listen, like we can build our own spatial data and mapping services within this company. And uh, we were entrepreneurs for the lack of better words. Like we raised capital instead from our founder. We set up a team from three to 300. We learned on the way from, from learners, we became educators in the same field. Uh, people were coming to us and saying after three years, okay, how do you do what you did, right? Like this is insanely good. Uh, how is Grab able to do all of these things, blah, blah, blah. And we said, okay. Uh, then we also, same way career accelerated. Like we could not go beyond that level. I mean, we could, but the upside was too less for us. So the only other upside we had was, okay, let's go start up, right? That was only logical conclusion we could come up with. We could get a same job at higher, let's say I could become a VP somewhere. Uh, and then earn maybe 20% more. But truly was that the calling then I, because I think my co-founder is insanely smart. So I keep, I keep telling that dude, like we need to start up, right? We need to, you have all the brains and I think I have a little of business acumen. We should go. And so it took me some convincing for Gaurav. And then the minute he said, let's do it. We said, let's do it. Then we literally made a 10 slider deck, uh, with very, very scrappy thoughts that, that we had, uh, we raised capital within four weeks. And then wow. I said, I'm, Dude, somebody's coming to fund you. Like we can take it like an MBA and just go do it. And that's how startup started, right? So again, extremely serendipitous in some way, a little planned, little unplanned, but end to end took us just three months. October, we thought we would start up and with December, I quit my job. And then slowly Gaurav quit his job and, you know, Shaolin quit his job. So it was like, we had 7 million in the bank even before we could quit. So we said, let's just do it. So y'all are three founders right now. Yes. So how does the role get divided between the three of you? We all are just co-founders. So we've always believed in no titles. So we've kept the title of CEO, CEO, CTO, everything. I mean, Shaolin is very clear he's CTO, meaning he's just the technical guy in the company. Uh, whereas me and Gaurav, we do... Uh, so I'm more external facing CEO in terms of investor relations and things like this. Gaurav is more the internal facing CEO. So yeah. a day-to-day -day and because we're a product-run company, we wanted to be product first. So yeah. we kept the role very simply that, listen, like, Anything we want to be dr driven by Gaurav's vision, like not by Ajay's vision into the company, right? So uh, we have very clear vetoes. We, I mean, I mean, touch wood, we worked with each other for now, what, six years. So there's a lot of trust in what we each do. Okay. Uh, that's the other reason why I think we've been successful since first day. Uh, like many ask me, oh my God, like you've never had these issues. And I'm like, I don't even think those things come into our mind. Yes, we have healthy debates. We have healthy discussions, healthy fights, but it's all about work. Yeah. Uh, the beauty is that we were never friends before. Uh, so we started as colleagues who had worked professionally with each other. So we could give feedback to each other. Uh, I would never start up with my friends. So I don't want, so we don't have this very, we, we are informal, but we are still formal, 
right so why not start up with friends why not start up with friends this is a very interesting point you've just said why not start up with friends i wouldn't uh, because yeah. i just think that uh, professional and personal should be kept like very aside i've seen my father burn his hands starting up with his friends like i've seen my other friends burn their hands starting up with friends because you, if shit hits the roof you lose both yeah right so and i don't want to lose my friends so i i have been very clear since first day we don't even hire friends and family in our company uh, i didn't even recruit my own brother into the company so we were very like strict into uh, we don't hire anybody we know right okay. also we don't hire anybody we can't fire so okay. Uh, so we've kept everything very professional in the company so nice that's why i think because once personal and professional mix it's not a good idea so ajay building on to this further now why this idea of focused on spatial technology right and building a spatial product uh why why this space so and you have behemoths there right you have yeah, yeah. google and the apples of the world who are basically have all the p- power money everything built onto it so why yeah. on that so it's a space that nobody touches generally it's okay. because a very difficult space because the talent pool available is very less in the world for yeah. maps and spatial data in general uh but apart from that uh, we were solving the problem already in our old life and uh, we knew the pitfalls of this problem we didn't know how big the problem is but we knew there were enough people to use that stuff if we build it uh to is that we also had awareness that uh enterprises nobody is touching a business to consumer as you said the behemoths are always very i want to acquire more customers i want to acquire more you know whatever i want to have better maps etc was there but yeah. in terms of enterprises nobody was touching it right so enterprise mapping was a unhot untouched space okay and we were solving this problem at scale in our in our prior life and we understood oh there is a pretty decent market if we can solve this in a specific fashion of not date not owning data okay right? so everyone said okay in our world for the last decade the better the data the better the maps which is true still but we think data will become free in the next whatever decade spatial data is very open now a lot of open source a lot of governments a lot of people are putting out data so we think whoever has the best software to package this data in the right fashion is going to win okay. not the person with the best data right so this is how we started building a software first pure ai company not data first mapping company mm-hmm. right so again we still don't know how large the problem is we think overall the problem of moving things in the world is very large yeah. okay so if you want to move anything in the world you need a map and as of today people are not using maps they're still using excel or something like that at times so our vision is to move everything efficiently in the world now when you think about maps okay and when you think about developed countries specifically yeah. now let's for the ease of conversation let's talk about developed and underdeveloped parts of the world okay mm-hmm. the developed parts of the world keep changing significantly and Correct. you have these open source ecosystems or the satellite open source satellite maps they are outdated and Correct. and you know they they are not updated as of let's say if there's a new bridge open today it will take at least a month for that data to refresh to have the satellites being updating their new maps so that, that's a challenge right when you because the premise which you said your company operates at you know how do you build a wrapper around the data which is already available which you said is free or is going to be free and you build a right package around it or right wrapper so that but at the same time if that wrapper is good but the garbage which is coming in the data is bad you're providing a bad output 
So how do you deal with that challenge? Because that's something which is there in my head. Like, how do you deal with that ta- challenge? See, anything real time, I don't think anybody in the world can deal with. Right. Yeah. So, but what we have built is a tooling ecosystem that helps you update the bridge in the next one hour. Oh. Right. Like some driver gives you feedback. You can feed it back into your system. It gets updated for the next driver. Okay. That's our promise because that's what you can't even do that. That's what you can't go complain to anyone. It'll take you six months for you to even update the smallest of the smallest thing. Mm-hmm. Right. For us, what the way we look at it is is very simple, right? So the way we look at it is, can we have the packaging ecosystem to keep maps fresh as well as use the freshness of the map to drive business value? As of today, it's just not about saying the bridge is open or closed. Is that can we avoid the second driver going and getting stuck again on the bridge? Mm-hmm. That is the problem we are solving. Uh, we are not trying to solve the problem of is the bridge freshest or do I have the freshest map data? Is it that can I feed back this bad data into the system that helps efficiency? So this is the sort of problems we are trying to solve, right? So, and whereas when you see the behemoths, they're trying to see whether I have all the maps of the world. We don't care about the maps of the world. We are just saying, hey, for a logistics trucking business, am I the most efficient routing product? Interesting. Are they taking the routes that make sense, that are more efficient, that can be greener, that can be less fuel depreciating, that can be more cost effective? These are the models we build. We're not trying to say that I'm going to take satellite imagery of Australia or, or Thailand and extract every highway on the road. That's not our job, yeah. right? There's already somebody extracting the highways. I'm able to package the highway routing the best for the trucks. That's the space we play in. Yeah. You're not building a trekking or a cycling map as an example. No. Which consumers no. need it, right? It is no. largely B2B centric. It's now, only B2B. We don't want to ever be B2C. Now, there is that trust aspect, uh, you know, and today uh, you spoke about the driver. The driver would say, hey, I use Google Maps. Uh, Why would I use a company provided app? Now, I'm sure whether it's an XYZ company, which they have deployed your technology, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and even in maps today, things are getting competitive, right? There are two or three players. Google has acquired Waze as an example, at -hmm. least in the international market. And then there is Apple Maps. People are accustomed to those maps, right? They trust those, then they would trust some other. So how does that trust play into this factor? So trust mainly is, so here's two ways to look at it. We are not consumer facing, we're an infrastructure company. Yeah. Right. So there's nothing that you see and touch and feel of what we are doing. It's all on the back end, right? You're calculating a simple time, simple distance, simple route. So, but you need your end drivers or your companies to trust the the the, yes. the route you're giving is yep. correct. Yeah. Uh, and for us, the so we do it two ways. A that we build on the business data our customers have. We don't own our own data. So at, at any point, a lot of the intelligence that is getting spat out is from the customer's data. So that itself says that it is more ground truth than something more modeled on generic behavior that happens on Android or Apple. Right. Yeah. So there itself there's a trust tick mark. Second trust tick mark is we are giving them a tooling ecosystem that helps them, as I said, keep these things fresh. So they trust that if I feed this data back into the system, then this the time or the route or the distance that like next billion is spitting out is going to be good. So since they are already built on very, very specific business logic, as well as very, very trusted sources of feedback, our hope is eventually in the future that this tooling ecosystem just helps build more of this trust rather than us collecting all this data on our own and trying to say, I'm going to distribute it trustworthily, right? Everything is more sourced by the company rather than sourced by us. That is the biggest difference. Yeah. 
now you are working and your clients are in variety of industries right uh, there may mm-hmm. be people who are in perishable space there are people who yeah. don't care whether their products reach tomorrow right they they are okay Correct. with their products reaching in a week time period yes. uh, or there will be people who would care that I, my product should reach within an hour as an example yes. right? even in the perishable space now uh, we'll come to the segregation and you know catering your product and solution to that kind of category but you know i have i have been in space where i have seen b2b businesses being built that first customer is critical mm-hmm. uh, and you know in b2b specifically that first customer who can take punt on you uh, where you don't you just have a wrapper but you don't have data you don't have use cases to prove your metal it's just you yeah. your past experience yeah. to prove that you know can Correct. you share that experience of that first customer how you all were able to bring in because that will be good for the listeners also who may be thinking of building a b2b product yeah so again there's no rocket science your first customer you should just know the first buyer uh, i cannot go and say i did some stellar job of bringing in the first customer we knew enough people in mapping you know people who at least try and test us out if we build something uh, that's another reason why i think starting up a little later in life is important because you've built a network and trust of people especially b2b See, B2C is the arrow in the dark, right? Yeah. So sometimes it may hit, sometimes it may not hit. But but B2B is a very scientific game. It's not a it's not arrow in the dark. You cannot go and solve a problem for another business without you knowing the buyer of that problem. So we knew a few buyers, luckily. So the first customer was literally saying, "Hey, I have started this. Can you please be my customer? Right? I want you to test it out. I want to try it. You don't pay me now. You pay me later on. Uh, that's how it happened." So we just knew a few people in a few companies, reached out to 10 or 20, two said they'll try. Uh, and then we didn't even know marketing sales for, for one, one and a half years. We thought this is the only way to sell. Mm-hmm. Then we started to set up a marketing team, sales team, GTM team, and they started bringing in customers. But initial first year was just purely just network, network contacts, VC network, talking to like lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, literally spending all day on sales calls, understanding the problem, understanding what can we solve, what can we solve? Because in our world, you can solve many things. Yeah. And prioritizing as a startup on what you want to solve, what is commercially viable, how don't you become a sweatshop for a larger company? How do you actually build a B2B scalable company? These were the most important questions to answer in the first six months to one year. So the first few customers purely is on network uh, and investor network. That's it. Now going back to that previous question, which I was asking, is the 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 segregation of customers, right? Perishable, mm-hmm. non-perishable, and even yep. perishable have. Now the data becomes very interesting, specifically when you think about supply chain and logistics. Uh, yes. A truck, a cold cold storage truck moving from point A to point B, mm-hmm. would need to go into thirty minutes, let's say, versus a point A to point B, same type of a truck, but carrying different goods would care less if it's an hour but then the fuel efficiency time efficiency and all of that comes into play how do you enable the optimization on both right one is keeping the product in movement in mind as well as the other kpis which the companies would care for am i being environmentally sustainable am i saving cost am i reducing driver's time drive time right because all these are cost factors uh, yeah irrespective of the product being shipped so do Meaning I've not looked at your platform, but does that optimization enable the, yeah. the end customer to so, Yeah. So see the a, a beauty of building an API company versus a solutions company is this, that any factors of this can be completely modeled as you want, right? Mm-hmm. We are not a fixed solution for a fixed vertical, for a fixed problem. You don't have to go and recode everything. So infra 
intra companies where they scale that will scale very quickly we are still not hit i think we've still not hit that cusp of scaling uh, but we can customize exactly what you asked for like let's say you're a perishable truck for your objective function is time not distance or cost you want it to reach quickest because your strawberries get spoiled if they go late yeah. we can optimize for that visa is you are a company that is transporting tissue papers and you don't care it goes one day late two days late it's okay but you are more worried about i want to optimize my cost i want to i want to load up a lot of tissue papers into a box yeah. right it's not a perishable item completely doable all of this can be completely doable with the easy configuration change i don't have to go back to my developer like my solutions people can just configure it and change it right so that's how we built the platform we also built the platform multi tenant it means that you want all this to be hosted on some container in your own system we can do that there's only to go into anything very heavyweight on premise we also make sure that enterprises like really care about data privacy and security for their own system so we can we can completely make this in their own cluster of aws if you want right yeah. so 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 data doesn't even go out so data stays in their cluster you read right from their cluster and build the model on top so we have, we have a very advanced architecture we are more we are more engineering company than ai company right because mapping is a very engineering centric problem not a ai ai is just an input into engineering yeah so we have made sure we built engineering systems that scale engineering process that scale uh, so the first two two and a half years that's why we didn't even open up the platform to anyone right we, yeah. it was just alpha beta testers and we building it we only gave out the cookie cutter apis that hey we are a poor man's this company wanted to use us but right now we have enterprise use cases meaning the exact cold storage perishable should avoid let's say downtowns because they get stuck we have a full fledged way to do it right from the map data up to the algorithm nice as of today like it's just not algo or just not we have the whole ecosystem of products you can use to have massive business efficiency this is not like 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 a couple of thousand dollars but you can save millions of dollars in doing this work so this is how we are envisioning that like use cases will play out when you build a product company specifically within the infrastructure there is always an urge to go ahead and go wide and go deep at the same time because the customers ask you for frills and bells and whistles and all of that and versus your own inclination so if you look at the original vision of the product which you all started mm-hmm. off to where it is today mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. how much have you all gone wide and deep from a qualitative aspect which you would uh, from your own analysis you would say so we have gone we've gone wide more than deep it's okay. because we understood that going deep is going to be like a rabbit hole which may not scale into at least our predecessors who we've seen all have plateaued somewhere we've not even peaked to plateau to be frank so we thought okay why don't we do let's not go deep okay, okay so we'll build industry specific solutions once the breadth is covered so that's exactly what we two two and a half years we built a very wide horizontal location platform which was map data agnostic now we are building industry specific solutions like industry specific solutions for omni channel retail for supply chain for logistics b2b for trucking for two wheeler for custom maps that's how we are looking at the modules that's right? so a first you build a more generic platform that is pretty sustainable even with just basic stuff right you don't want any customization okay you can come and use my platform still but right now we are now building the industry solutions on top which is making more sense as the time is expanding but we can't do both like we can't build industry solutions as well as build a generic platform at the same time okay. so the fact is that even for generic platform there was enough demand that people were using a basic cookie cutter distance time calculations that was better than open source okay and not as good as google as an example somewhere in the middle there is enough market for that also but then we realized if you have to really reach the enterprise scale we have to build 
very few industry specific solutions on top understanding the jargon understanding how people do field force management how people do b2b logistics how people do trucking that is what this year has been on right 2023 is we think our breakout year in terms of if we really break out this the year if we don't break out this year means there's no point of building a startup at all okay. in my opinion right we don't we have never pivoted too much okay we still think the location space is big map space is big anything location map infrastructure we will build anything solutions customization only for one customer etc we've never taken up work we've had enough offers that one customer said i want these solutions to be built for me we said we don't want to do it right they, we are not a software development how do you company. stop the temptation sorry i'm interrupting how do you stop the temptation because these big giants it's a call you have to take right it's a call it's very easy to get tempted by one two or three million dollar account and say listen like i am early and this person is going to give me for the next year every year 1 million but are there enough of these personas that are going to give you the same software can you scale without development effort that's a maturity call you have to take mm-hmm. right so and also for us we had money yeah. right we had raised capital so that gave us some of the guts as well right it's not guts because we were never a seed funded we never had to uh we are an entitled startup and i do I have no shame in saying yeah. this right because we are a very 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 entitled startup we raised lots of capital initially so we could focus on the problem in hand rather than trying to raise funding yeah right? so we were always very crystal clear on the hires we wanted to make uh everyone was supposed to be a certain high quality so all this happened because we had money and uh, Uh, that's what uh, i tell people that hey this is not some rocket science that we said no to customers we said no to customers because we had money right and two we said no to customers is also because we knew exactly what we were building we it, if it doesn't scale beyond is the same customer at least can you get 10 more of the same type it need not be 100 yeah right? if i if i have one person in this space uh, we speak to two three more and they say this is not our problem is something else we don't do it but if at least 5 10 customers are coming inbound outbound they can be smaller by nature but hmm. the fact is this is a very scalable thing then okay. right you have 5 10 people asking you for this and it's fine to invest even if it's like just a 10000 dollar account but you can get like 200 10000 dollar accounts right rather than you getting two like million dollar accounts so that's the way we've looked at it always you know today you, you spoke about something and there is a big buzzword i'm sure there will be temptation your your domain is nextbillion.ai yeah uh, you know but you said your company is not an ai company it's an engineering company because map is a very engineering setup you know what do you Correct. feel about this buzzword about ai and you know do you all incorporate that in your sales pitch let's see this is going on since my google days right there's no actually there's no buzzword it's about how much vc is buzz a certain yeah it's a how do i say it's all about it's all about thesis that the vc builds Right, and then they just put it out in the media and say, "Listen, this is the next big thing." Right, like I mean, Clubhouse was supposed to be a very big thing soon. Like you, you saw the number of startups that died during the pandemic hype. So yeah. we just not even thought. So we don't actually generally care about macro trends all that much, right? So we just see what is going on. Uh, we didn't name it dot AI three years ago, thinking AI will become big. So we named it dot AI because a lot of AI actually used in mapping. So. Right. when you want to position the company as on what we are we are an engineering plus ai company rather than just a pure ai company so uh, this whole generative ai is the new buzz right so anybody who starts in generative ai will get funded in the next two years so how many will live later we'll see yeah. how many will copy paste we'll see so the two things we were we were very clear that we are not a copy paste company uh, it's been 3 3 and a half years and even today when i ra- i i raise capital they ask me who's your competition i said as of today what we are building there is no exact competition There's competition in many verticals. 
competition mapping in in routing in route optimization in eventually location analytics visualization there's always competition but as a holistic platform i don't know right who's there so we've always differentiated in our technology that's also been our peril because we are not ever going with the wave yeah right so we are we are making our own wave actually as much as possible every fundraise for us has been like we have to convince the vc that hey what we are building is interesting rather than the vc saying i know i'm already convinced are you building in this space right so uh, it's always in reverse for us and uh, we it's also tough to category create we realized you cannot category create early yeah so what we had to then also do is that be in an existing category of routing or mapping and innovate in that space because if you're totally category creating in this era right it's very tough to get funded right you cannot say there is no referenceability at all and fund me so to your point of this ai the generative ai space uh, quantum computing these have been there for a long time okay yeah. it's just that now after chat gpt everybody is building something on chat gpt so that's the hype right it's a very very now being in the system for almost 12 years i realize it's just a curve so curves come in curve is a proper sine curve yeah. right so we'll wait and watch but for us we don't we don't really pride on that that it's a ai company or uh, this thing we just say this problem is tough if we crack this problem we'll become a very 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 big company if not we'll fail mm-hmm. so we are not a company we are a company with a very very binary outcome and this i tell everyone very openly either we'll become very big or we'll fail there is no in between for us you know and living on this thread right it's like you're walking a tight rope uh with your hands tied behind i would use that word and you either can pass that and achieve success or you fall off right and you yeah. you have a term and you said 2023 is going to be a breakout year for you correct uh you know how do you keep yourself motivated because there is paranoia also building on yeah yeah yo we are already in may five months down okay we only have seven months left okay 210 days left only as an example how do you balance that out and not just balance for yourself but balance for your organization balance for your peers as well as balance yeah. for family uh, you know more importantly yeah. your marriage so how do how do you balance all of that as an entrepreneur so it's a it's tough i'm not saying it's easy uh, it's not uh, as hunky dory as it seems but the two things we've always followed is that we've never really uh, so we've all worked before okay so we this is not our life yeah so we took the startup as we'll do it very passionately ethically and we'll do it well if it works works if it doesn't work doesn't matter right so we've always kept it like that our quorum of the isn't company that is a safety net but isn't that as a safety net that you have a net to it's like you're walking the tightrope with your hands back you know if you fall yeah. you don't die you have a safety yeah, net yeah yeah and that's that's i think the advantage of working for a decade right so you have some financial safety net you have some emotional safety net uh, you have some personal safety net right so uh, it could not be the case with everyone but for us i'm saying it's a it's like it's as i said i have not invested all my life into my startup right so yes we'll do it right we know we're solving a big problem if it works works but we are not going to stress out and spoil our health because of this right so uh, we still stress out a lot because we are at that cusp and we think that right now if we don't break out and we don't micromanage don't get stuff done we are going to ruin an opportunity that could be a multi billion dollar opportunity today mm-hmm. right but th- that doesn't mean that we will go and spend all our day all our night all our this thing on this one so if you look at anybody in my company also they are not going to be obsessed like a typical startup that they are working 24 hours 365 days a week 
right? So we have made sure that we need work-life balance as well. We have families with kids and we've made sure our people also get the same culture. So culturally, what we've done as a company is that we work as friends. We are a very small company, just 70 people, 75 people globally. And we don't ex- intend to scale beyond a certain level. And so, but we made sure that whoever is there is extremely high quality. We hire for culture and motivation rather than, so this is a hiring ground level thing that we've done from the first day, right? And then it is just hopefully translated across the company. Right? Okay. But everyone's sort of self-motivated. Nice. Yes, they meet me, they meet Gora once in a while and they get even more pumped up. But most people, since also in pandemic remote, yeah. you don't have an office space or office culture. We have hired for more self-starters than people who need a lot of emotional hand-holding. Right. So, and also same when I joined Google, we knew how we hired birds of the same feather, right? They mostly flock together. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to incorporate some of these things in our company also. Like how do we make sure that all of you are of a certain type rather than of a certain skill? Okay. Uh, this is how we have solved. I think our attrition has been like, like low single digits. Like people who join us have not really left. Nice. Right. So uh, that's the other thing we pride upon that. Hey, we've set up a company where people... People think twice to leave rather. Let's put it that way. All right. They'll come and ask me, in fact, should I leave? Do you think it's the right thing to do? And I'm very, like, very open in my counsel. If I really think some of my people are getting an insane career opportunity, I tell them to go. Saying, man, I would have been take, I would have taken this shot as well. Right. Do it. So we've kept it like that. It's a very informal company. That's the biggest win that we've had. You know, in the industry today, I will make a joke, right? Getting a basic data engineer is tough. And the yeah. space which you are in, in the engineering space which you are in, where you are dealing with spatial data, that mm-hmm. just catapults to the different level altogether. Yes, yes. From a skill set perspective, right? And you don't find, like, I, I would find, if I sneeze right now, I will find 100 profiles on LinkedIn on data engineers. But if I have to sneeze also hard, 100 times, I will not find a spatial engineer. You know, yeah. where do you find this, right? 70 people, even... Like 70 is a big number, right? Where do you find Yeah, it's all Shaolin's magic. Uh, it's my CTO's <laughs> magic. So my, my so my CTO is a two-time entrepreneur okay. in China. Uh, he okay. lives in Singapore. So he has sold two companies, sold one to Tencent uh, and sold one to Grab. Nice. So he's been a technologist all his life, all his career. Uh, we've literally, so a lot of our first 40 hires were people I've, each, each one of us has worked with already. Oh, nice. Either they used to work with us or report to us somewhere or work. So everyone just followed us into the next sort of, you know, logical step. So that way we've been very blessed. The people who have worked with us generally have just blindly, blindly trusted us. Okay. Saying, hey, okay, Ajay, Gaurav, Sharon are going, chalo, it'll be good, right? Something, it is, it will not be, it won't be miserable to work there. So mm-hmm. essentially that's how we've done it. Uh, it's all just years of goodwill, uh, you know, uh, combined with, you know, uh, hopefully people who like us as people, it's not the company or, anything so we've hired only known referrals mostly engineering shaolin has done a brilliant job uh, data scientists very good job in fact we still have a lot more people we can recruit than we can't but you know given the market and the slowdown we've had we're just making sure that we take this step down you know step by step okay now just switching gears a little bit okay why next billion the name you mean the name or the company the name so when we started the company, we were in Asia. We thought it's a next billion thesis, like thinking that, hey, we will enable location tech for the next billion users because we thought the emerging markets are more tough where we were solving the problem anyway. Okay. And the next billion users are going to come from there, which we've known for the decade now. Uh, so we, we call it next billion AI. Uh, we also it as a cool name, right? So, I mean, people usually don't forget when they meet a company called next billion. Uh, yeah. 
but other things people may forget so it was just that right and we took this decision within 30 minutes registered domain it was not like we brooded over the brand or the name or anything at all it was very quick uh, so our old boss actually helped us with this a lot i mean he came up with this name he said hey just do nextbillion.ai it's good and we said okay we'll do it okay now you spoke about this year to be a breakout year okay yeah and what are the kpis or north star measures are you i don't want to know the details of the the exact kpis but mm-hmm. how do you kind of put yourself goals that this is going to be the these if we meet these this is how we will define the breakout for yeah for so year. see uh, as a business uh, you're a startup to first make money right yeah. people usually keep keep forgetting you have to build a business not just just the product so we have been very very clear since first day of the company that hey we our company should make money mm-hmm. we should build revenue we should build traction we should also build cool technology uh, but it's uh, crucial for us to build revenue for us always revenue has been one of the north star metrics even from early stages though have we crushed the revenue out of the park no not really but we've been step by step doing well also a second is number of people who are using your platform right so for us uh, till till last year it was not ready so we had double digit customers like we have triple digit customers now right we want to take it to higher triple digits this year it means the platform usage should go up a lot anyway with platform usage revenue should go up mm-hmm. but revenue is not like as not sort of metric as platform usage number of customers who are on the platform production ready right so for us the most important thing this year is to bring people and use it in production that your infrastructure is a cloud and the cloud is being used to build apps and our cloud is being used to run your business right so if you are running your business on my basic calculations i am first of all very happy and proud of that uh, how many people are doing it is the bigger north star so the more people who are using it you also get feedback into the, into the system uh, so this is essentially what we are gunning for as a north star that can i have like mid to higher level triple digit in number of customers like in hundreds uh and can i scale the revenue to a couple of million that we are already in and we are trying to see how much can we scale there right and is my product actually checking out meaning there's no churn next year starting right so oh yeah this year something is cool vanity people are using it next year saying i don't need you i'll build it in house yeah. so these are three four things we need to balance out as we go to this year now when you look at your space you know and i know a little bit about supply chain because i work within that space from an analytics perspective but when you look at what do you correct me if i'm wrong when you're dealing with maps you're focused on road right mm-hmm. now let me just take an example a product gets built in a country x now mm-hmm. either, and there is a importing country or a company where it is being built for or intending to be sold at right it's mm-hmm. a, a country y now that country x will ship that product either through a ship or through a plane mm-hmm. it gets lodged into a container which basically gets loaded on a truck which gets into a warehouse and then that warehouse would either take smaller temp- tempos will ship it to a retail or a, another destination and from there you know either grab or uber eats or you know whatever the models are right either a car or a bus or it gets into a store for example now if you look at that entire value chain or supply mm-hmm. chain okay road is just part of it as an example yeah that last mile yeah. or it can be a uh, you know a warehouse to a retail store as an example mm-hmm. or to a, a bigger destination you mm-hmm. know when you building products now specifically where you are you know it can be catapulted into a much more larger space especially for b2b right. 
right? If you want to take a product, let's say an iPhone from a, a factory in, in India or China or any other part of the world to a consumer's hand, if a business has to optimize its entire transportation, it needs to look at holistically. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to hint at, is there a bigger plan or a next billion for next billion? In that so uh, as of today, no. I think we want to stay more on the road. We've been asked railways, nautical, air. Is there a way you can connect all the three to the road? See, theoretically, it sounds super sexy and cool. Okay, yeah. uh, but practically, it's a very very tough implementation uh, of mm-hmm. this sort of thing. Yep. So, uh, also, there's no commercial viability currently. Same same theory, right? Are there ten twenty people asking me for this? No, one or two are asking me for it, right? So. Uh, I don't think the space will evolve into this is what we think at least the space of spatial and and maps will be in more uh, complementary areas like can I do analytics of the same thing right can I visualize all my assets can I track my assets can I trace my assets rather than can I have a overall value chain like visibility of my assets right so I think that's what it's going to go towards I also realize that mid and last mile is where the most burn is Mm -hmm. okay First mile is usually pretty solvable and solved rather. Rather, factory to a warehouse yeah. is easy because it's two touch points. But once you do warehouse distributor, distributor, retailer, retailer to customer, that's the more split in the supply chain. So I think the cost effectiveness and the real deal is better in this side rather than the first time. So that's how we see it today. Again, you don't know, never say never what's going to happen, but this is today's view. Interesting. Now, you know, let's switch to your personal side, you know, how do you keep yourself updated on what's happening, especially in the spatial space? Mm-hmm. Uh, and more importantly, how do you keep yourself sane? Like you said, you're managing your personal work life balance. Yeah. So yeah. How do you how do you do that? Right? What, what do you do? What are your tips for other? <laughs> for me, sports is everything. Uh, I play I watch, uh, I'm very into sports. I mean, my dream was I mean, I didn't have the physical ability to be an athlete, but uh, my I always look up to professional athletes a lot because you have somehow, you, you know, it's not easy to go pro. I've yeah. seen it. Uh, it's a, you need extreme amount of discipline, lot of lot of dedication, a uh, lot of hard work, you know, to get there. So I think startup is like you're going pro, right? So uh, I've always also, also believed if your company should be a franchise, it can't be a team, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you want to be a franchise, you have to hire it should be an ecosystem of support. You have to have the good players. You have to have coaches. You need to have medical staff. So that's how we build the company also. Like we only take high performers who understand that they're a part of a cogwheel that has to run. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I keep myself sane by playing, watching. For me, sports is the only other uh, let out I have, right? Because of uh, uh, there's no time in general. Uh, two is that I, I mean, I, I obviously love spending time with my daughter. She's two. Uh, so okay. it's been very interesting to uh, be a parent. I mean, I started my startup big one parent the next year. Oh, wow. So I had two kids the same year. So uh, I think it's a very interesting journey to watch your kids grow up. Uh, I never thought I'll feel like this. I never thought I'll uh, have this sort of e- emotional connect to this uh, one small child, right? So it's unreal to see what's going on. Uh, so I think that's the other part of it. She, even, even the worst of days, you just, you go and hug your kid and it's like somehow, somehow magically okay. So I think these two are, for me, keeping it going is what I would say. So, uh, you know, what's next for next billion? You know, this year is crucial year, but what's next for yeah. next billion? 
So for us, I think the most important thing this year is that we are debating whether a we are thinking whether we should do a small top up of last year and we have enough runway, but just to be even more safe. That's 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 one area because we've already broken out. Is it the right time or waiting for next year or the year after? That's other question. I think we will be in that zone somewhere. We need to consistently build on the product we have and in fact just enhance the product. So yeah. product development for us, according to me, is done. We have a hero product in route optimization and distance matrix. Uh, we have a lot of complementary products we've already built. There's no need to invest in new product building. It's about packaging and making sure that the existing products work in a solution. So for us, that is the most important thing this year. We were looking at acquisitions of acquiring like one or two small companies in this space. Okay. Uh, it didn't work out, but I'm hoping in the future we can find some Really, really small, nice companies in the space where you can integrate into our tech. So that's the other piece of it we're looking at this year. Very interesting. Now, uh, Ajay, you know, I know it's early morning for you and the days are just getting started for you. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, uh, thank you. And it's, it's a fun conversation. And, you know, it's something which I'm pretty fascinated by, you know, when you think about google maps there was a person who did this hack i believe i forget which european country he put hundreds in germany, of, in germany yeah. he put hundreds of iphones on on a cart and he just moved yeah. around and the entire map turned red right but Correct. there was no one and i've seen that happening with many of us right we like today i was driving and it was showing me completely red but i was on the road and i was like there was nobody there so yeah there is the sometimes these uh logics or algorithms you know fail us and what you're building or what your company is building as an alternative to what we presume the best of the breed. It's a, it's a tougher challenge and, you know, kudos to you. You know, it's a David Goliath fight, which you've taken on uh, yeah. specifically in this space. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, best of luck with that. No, thanks, Anis. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll see what happens again. We have, uh, take it one day at a time for now. There's, there's no point of thinking about the future too much. We'll see what it holds later on. And it's just fascinating as an entrepreneur, how grounded you are, um, how focused you are and more importantly very clear and there's one thing which i always believe having the right business foundations uh, and yeah. running your business on a great business fundamentals right revenue profitability you know you're focused yeah. on that as a company you're not yeah, yeah. going behind these metrics which don't make sense right uh, in the business yeah, yeah. we 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 call it danda still <laughs> yes. we're saying if you don't run a danda then there's no point of uh, of doing this and this has been since first day. Even when capital was cheap, we thought we'll do Danda only. No, really, because we were very, we we're very paranoid entrepreneurs. I'll keep it that way. Uh, that's also maybe comes from the maturity of our age and where we are. We have families. Like if you know things are not very go and take all your risks in life. Sort of. We are not in the situation today, right? Yeah. So maybe that paranoia is keeping us going. Also, maybe that paranoia is not making us grow. We think it sometimes, right? Like, hey, are we being too paranoid? Right? You know, are we not investing? Right? Are we not like burning enough? Trust me, it's not an easy philosophical decision to take. Yeah. Because at times you think, let me just go and burn this money and grow very quickly. But then you always have this paranoia that, you know, step back, step back. It's okay. It's okay. So we'll yeah. see what happens. No, great. Uh, thanks for your time, Ajay. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and uh, best of luck for next Awesome. Week. Thank you, Anis. Thanks for having me. Okay. It's good chat. Likewise. See you. Bye. Bye.